I want to go over the theological part about prayer is not so much because we just want to be academic, that kind of thing, but it's also because sometimes if you have the wrong theology that could even make you not pray, okay? Um, or also as well, sometimes if you have certain questions on answer, not, not every questions we could have fully answered, but also sometimes if we are having so much questions we don't have answers, sometimes that could also be um, an impediment for our prayer life also as well, okay? So today, um, question that we're dealing with is really looking at an objection towards prayer, okay? Uh, next week, we're going to consider like bad uh, as we see in many ways what Jesus taught about prayer and um, other parts of the Bible and the purpose of prayer. Um, we're going to see next week also as well of, of insufficient prayer, okay? The Bible also talks about wrong ways to pray, more of our hearts, that kind of thing. Um, but before we even do that, I want to go over a, an objection to prayer. And maybe you guys have asked this yourself. Um, have you guys ever thought to yourself or maybe heard someone ask you the question, um, if God is sovereign, why pray? You guys ever wondered that? Um, if God is control, if God is all-powerful, and even if God is even uh, is never changing, okay, uh, God never changes mind, why do we pray, okay? Why do we pray, okay? I still think we should pray, but I think we want to look at this question more deeper because I feel like uh, when we think about it more deeper, um, my purpose is actually to encourage us to pray by looking at this objection. And today we're going to be looking, and if you're taking notes, we're going to have six points, okay? Uh, six points uh, of why pray, even if God is sovereign, right? Um, it could be various forms, this objection, whether God is all-powerful, whether God is sovereign, um, that is, He's Lord over every details of our life, whether God doesn't change our mind, whether you, you know, you um, say God predestined or decree things. Why, why do we still pray, Okay. Um, cause I, I think it is biblical to pray. Okay. It is biblical to pray. Um, so we're going to be considering six points. I'm going to say these six points and then just to let you guys know for notes. And then later on, we'll go over each one. Point number one, um, we need to affirm God is sovereign. We need to affirm God is sovereign. Okay. When we consider this objection, some people, by the way, say, oh, let's dismiss God is not in control. Um, but I think that's not biblical. So point number one is we need to affirm. God is sovereign. We need to affirm God is sovereign. Point number two. Uh, we pray simply because prayer is commanded by God. Uh, I know my sentences are kind of awkwardly long today for our points. Um, if you guys could be gracious with me. okay. Point number two is we pray simply because uh, prayer is commanded by God. Okay, The sufficient reason why we pray is because God tells us, ask us to pray. Okay? Uh, so that's point number two. We pray simply because prayer is commanded by God. Point number three. Prayer requests presupposes God's sovereignty. Prayer requests presupposes God's sovereignty. Okay? That is, even though there's this mystery, right? There's this paradox. Why do we pray when God is in control? Yet what I'm trying to say with point number three is, actually when we pray, we also are... The, one of the prerequisites is that God is, must be all-powerful and all-controlling. For even for us to make sense of prayer, okay? So point number three, prayer request presupposes God's sovereignty. Point number four, the question wrongly assume prayer is just asking for things, okay? So going back to the question of if God is sovereign, why pray? Um, point number four is this, the question wrongly assume prayer is just asking for things, okay? Um, the question wrongly assume prayer is just 
asking for things. We do ask him, okay? But it's, it's not just merely asking, is what I'm trying to say with point four. Um, let me repeat point four again. The question, wrongly assume prayer is just asking for things, okay? And number five, prayer doesn't change God's mind. Uh, point number five, prayer doesn't change God's mind. Prayer doesn't change God's mind. But point number six, prayer does change situation. Prayer does change situation. Okay? So point number five is prayer doesn't change God's mind. But point number six, prayer does change our situation. Prayer does change our situation. Okay? Um, Prayer does change our situation. Okay? Uh, So in light of all this... Um, I again, my purpose of going all over this is not to be theoretical only, but is ultimately to say, hey, this is a burden sometimes people have. People could say, oh, I don't want to pray to God at all if He's in control. Why pray? And I'm considering this is my goal is actually to encourage us to pray, even in light of the difficult question. Why pray if God is in control? Why pray if He's sovereign? Why pray if He's um, filling the blank? Um, you know, He His mind doesn't change all that kind of thing. Okay, so let's look at point number one. We need to affirm that God is sovereign. We need to affirm that God is sovereign, okay? Some tr- people try to solve this problem of God's control by saying God is somehow less sovereign. Um, but I think the Bible clearly teaches that God is in control, okay? God is sovereign or in control. What I mean by God is sovereign is that He exercises rule, okay, over His uh, creation and creatures, okay? Um, so we're going to see that the Bible teaches very clearly that God is in control. Okay, So in answering this question, we cannot go the route of denying that somehow God is in control. And there are some people that do try to solve this. Like, for instance, the problem of evil. Like, oh, if God created everything, all, you know, how could He allow a bad thing to happen? And some people try to go the route, which I don't think is supported by Scripture, by saying, well, maybe God doesn't, uh, is not all powerful. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but I think that the biblical data teaches otherwise, okay? Um, so I, I know there's a lot of questions, but just be patient with me as we go through this before we, you know, hear me, hear me all out first, okay? Um, so the Bible teaches that God's control of inanimate creation, okay? First and foremost, in establishing that God is sovereign, the Bible is very clear to show that God's in control of even inanimate creation. Turn with me to Proverbs 16, verse 33. Proverbs 16, verses 33. Again, let me say this again. Proverbs 16, verses 33, okay? Proverbs 16, verses 33. Uh, when we turn over there, um, could I have my sister, Julie, if you're there? Would you be able to read Proverbs 16, 33 for us? Proverbs what? 16, So what this verse shows us is that, um, notice it's talking about casting of lot. Um, we often associate casting of lot as what? Driven by chance, right? You ever roll a dice or a die, right? We often think of those things as what? Chance driven. But according to this verse, the, what the Word of God teaches is that God's control and the decision and the outcome of even casting a lot uh, into the lap is all in the control of what? The decision of the Lord, okay? Uh, it's clear with the decision of the Lord. So God is clearly um, in control of even what? Over inanimate object, okay? But the Bible also teaches that He's not just only in control of inanimate object, but He's also in control of things that are living. He's also in control of things that are living, specifically with animals. 
Specifically, he's in control of evil animals. Turn with me real quick to Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Okay, Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Uh, when we turn there, uh, could I have um, maybe uh, Hui read that out loud for us? Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Way if you need to unmute. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. Amen. Okay. Um, here in Matthew 10, just this verse alone, Jesus is saying what? This is Jesus speaking. He's saying that sparrows are what? Are, are even in the hands in the control of God, right? That a sparrow doesn't fall in the ground apart from what? The will of God the Father, okay? Uh, I think there's many Bible verses that shows God is sovereign and in control of even over animals. Uh, I think there's so many. I think uh, even Noah's Ark, right? God brought two by twos to the Ark, okay? Um, you see also as well, uh, for instance, even uh, Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. That the hungry lions eat Daniel? No, you see that God even is able to exercise control over the animals and these are hungry uh animals tigers okay um and yet god is control you think of even i think for instance the plague of egypt right of god bringing about the frogs the flies the locusts right all of those many instances throughout scripture where god's control over animals but the bible also teaches that god's control also exercise control over human history okay god exercise control over human history okay um, if you guys could turn with me to Acts 17.26. Uh, Acts 17.26. Um, when we turn to Acts 17 verses 26. Uh, I see Eric says amen with that. Okay. Um, Acts 17 verse 26. If I could have um, Mr. Byrne, would you be able to read that for us if possible? Thank you so much. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay, Acts 17, uh, verse 26. So I'm trying to make it a little more where people are also reading the word tonight. Also unmute. Sorry, Mr. Burton. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And he made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men settled on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allocated periods of time and their fixed boundaries and their habitation, their settlements, lands, and abodes. Yeah, amen. And that's the Amplified mode. Thank you so much. Thank you for amplifying that vocally out loud. Okay. So what we see in this verse, Acts 17, in the context is Paul. He went to Athens. Okay. Um, if you know this place, there's a place called Mars Hill uh, where there's all these uh, philosophers. They're just 
basically hanging out all day, arguing new ideas and many other isms and stuff like that. Okay. Um, while he's there, Paul, while there's all these people there, Paul, the apostle, goes over there. He evangelizes them. He preaches to them. He engages in apologetics in defense of the faith. Um, and he's explaining Christianity to them. And it's in this context that Paul says in Acts 17 verse 26 that he's giving a Christian worldview, a Christian view, a Christian philosophy of history by saying, you know what? Um, it goes against, by the way, Greek uh, philosophy. Greek philosophy emphasized what? The Greeks were better than everyone else. Um, and yet here in this verse, it says is what? Everyone came from one man. Who's that one man? Adam, right? So it's giving a biblical view, which the Greeks are not necessarily happy. They thought of themselves as greater, as above, okay? Of maybe even supremacy and everyone else. They don't speak Greek. They just say, hey, you guys speak barbar, and they'd call them what eventually? Barbarians, right? Okay, so Acts 17 verse 26 shows that God's in control over human history. Uh, turn with me also as well one more. Proverbs 21 verse 31. Proverbs 21 verse 31. Okay, Proverbs 21, verse 31. Um, ben Chung, would you be able to read that out loud for us? Uh, ben Chung, um, unmute, and if possible, read uh, Proverbs 21, verse 31. Proverbs 21, verse 31. Yes, sir. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Okay, um, here it shows, right, uh, men could prepare for war, all of that. But victory ultimately belongs for war is in whose hand? It's in God's hand. Okay? It's in God's hand. Um, I think the military world is filled with many scenarios where there's so many factors, no one can control it all. Right? No one can control it all. Um, if you ask my personal opinion when it comes to the military, I think the guys that are in the most uh, uh, tier one, right? The highest on the highest at the end is probably the Navy SEALs. And Navy SEAL Team 6. Okay, you guys know about the Bin Laden raid, right? Do you guys know? Do you guys think they practice for that? Do you think there's many man hours pouring to that? Yeah, right. Most of those guys have been in for what, um, ten to fifteen years. Okay, um, you know, the guy that wrote the book, uh, one of the guys that shot Bin Laden, he he was actually in twelve different missions. Okay, they've been pulling missions every single night. He's been in hundreds of raids, okay? They planned it, right? They even had it uh, build a house in Washington, or not the house. Um, they built a compound, like a mock example of that, in even Virginia, where they plane, the helicopters practiced so many times. And yet, in light of all these plans, uh, you guys know what happened? The helicopter on that raid, you guys remember one, one of them, what happened? It crashed. And one of the reasons why they crashed, if you guys know the story, is because they didn't uh, take into account that the helicopter... Um, in terms of their dynamic, that they've been practicing all along with, uh, what do you call it, with fence, where the air could flow freely, so the helicopter support. They forgot that there's actual wall that stopped the wind flow. So in light of every preparation they have, right, I mean, the pilot, the pilot what I've read, was over 50 years old, right? I mean, this, these guys are all highly experienced, and yet, guess what? It's all in the hands of the Lord, right? I bring them to say that Proverbs 21:31 is so true. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. There's responsibility everything we do. We need to plan and prepare. But we also know we can't control every single factor, right? Um, there's always a God factor. I know some people sometimes call it the Murphy's Law. But there's a factor of reminding us that God's control, that, that we're not fully. That's why we pray according to your will be done, okay? So in light of this, God's control over human history. I think as our first point is we see these uh, passages. Do you, as application, do you affirm that God is sovereign? Do you actually believe that? Um, Secondly, don't deny as application 
even in trying to answer this question, why should we pray if God is sovereign? Don't ever go the route of say, oh, let's deny that God is sovereign, okay? Let's not deny that God is sovereign, okay? By the way, let me say this. I do believe God is sovereign, but I do believe we have a human will, okay? That you are not a pulpit, a pu not pulpit, <laughs> a puppet, okay? You're not a puppet, okay? You're not a pulpit. I'm slamming, punching, right? Okay, you're, you're not a puppet. You are a real human being, but yet I, I believe in compatibilism. God is control, but also as well, He can change and move our will. But when you desire to do something, you really desire that, okay? Uh, so in light of this, let's go to point number two. We also pray simply because God, uh, prayer is commanded, okay? The sufficient reason why we pray ultimately is because God asks us to pray, okay? Simply if God asks it so, then we just do it, okay? Even if we can't resolve the whole issue, I think if God simply asks us, I mean, I think the analogy would be this. Um, if someone loves you and asks you to do something and you love that person back, do you do it? Yeah, okay. Um, my wife asked me to, you know, hey, do you want me to do this? I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice. I was like, and I said, yeah, would you be able to? Um, and she does it because what? There's a sense of joy, okay? There's a sense of uh, with that. So in the same way, if Scripture shows that God loves us and we love Him, uh, and He asks us to do something, we should merely do it just because He asked that. Now, are there verses that say we should pray? Yes, okay? Turn with me to First Thessalonians 5.17, okay? First Thessalonians 5.17, establishes that we should pray because God commands us to pray. Okay? First Thessalonians 5.17 says this. Pray without what? Ceasing. Okay? God's word for prayer here is a generic word. There's actually different words for prayer in the Greek, um, which is comprehensive, that we should pray to God continuously. Um, but different kinds of prayer would be involved. Sometimes there has to be confession, sometimes adoration, sometimes thanksgiving, sometimes requests. Okay? But we should pray regularly as a habit, okay? And by the way, Paul models that in his own life. Even in First Thessalonians, if you look even before in chapter 1, verse 3, he talks about his prayer for the Thessalonians, okay? The church in Thessalonica, okay? I know in English we call it Thessalonica, but it's actually the word is Thessalonike. You know the Nike shoe, like victory? It's a city of some kind of victory. I don't remember the Greek, okay? Um, he models this, okay? Paul models prayer to pray regularly. And here in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, it is a command. We are to pray. It's not a suggestion. God asks us in His Word to pray, okay? Turn with me also as well to um, Colossians 4.2. For the sake of time, there's many. I'm going to just look at only one more. Uh, Colossians 4.2. If you guys could turn with me. Colossians 4.2. Christopher, I want to ask if possible, uh, would you be able to read Colossians 4.2 while I catch my breath? So notice here it says continuously, okay? My version in New American Standard Bible says devote yourself in prayer, okay? Um, even when we're keeping an alert, it's a prayerful alert. When spiritual warfare, we're always spiritually discerning. But notice a prayerful alert, okay? Um, it's not a prideful alert, relying on yourself only. It's dependent on God. We're prayerful because it says with an attitude of what? Thanksgiving. When you're thankful to God, that's one... Uh, element or dimension or one way we pray okay so you see here there is a command to pray okay so as application if god wants you to do something as i said surely because he loves you you what go ahead and do it okay uh, sometimes i love my daughters come up to me because they're really young right now right they say dad what do you want me to do for you and i said oh i don't know if they'll ask me that in like their teenage years as eagerly okay 
and they'll say, oh yeah, um, would you be able to get me run over to my office and get me a book? And they'll yeah, right? And then uh, sometimes I'll ask, okay, Abigail, could you uh, deliver um, kisses to people for me? Could you go deliver kisses to mama? Because she'll come over and say, I'm going to be delivering hugs and kisses today. Uh, what do you want uh, to order? And I'll be like, oh, wow. You know, they're looking at UPS and mailman and they're mimicking that. They're doing it simply because of love, okay? I'm bringing this up as an example the same way with us, right? Um, childlike faith. Sometimes my daughter come up to Abigail delivers and it's like, oh, that's from mama? Oh, wow. Oh, thank you, right? So all that is to say, we do things, and this is a way we should be prayer-like faith, okay? Being prayer, being childlike, correction, not prayer-like, uh, childlike in our faith doesn't mean we're ignorant, but to be simple love, right, and simple trust with God. In the same way if God asks us to pray, we just pray. Even if we can't resolve the big question of God's sovereignty and our human responsibility, all of that, okay? There is a sense of mystery, okay? So, so if I establish thus far, point number one, we need to affirm God is sovereign. Point number two, we pray simply because God, uh, uh, simply because prayer is commanded by God. Now we go to point number three: prayer, uh, re- uh, prayer requests presupposes God's sovereignty. Okay, as much as we sometimes think, "Oh, why pray if God's already going to do everything, anyways?" Um, yet there's also this interesting thing that if we we can't even pray without one necessary prerequisite is that God needs to be a God that is sovereign. Okay, God is a God that is sovereign. Okay. Let's go turn with me real quick to Philippians 4, 6. Turn with me to Philippians 4, 6. Okay. Philippians 4, 6. If you guys can turn there with me. If Derek, are you online? If you might be able to read uh, Philippians 4, 6. Okay. Philipp- uh, Philippians 4, 6. Oh, you don't have a microphone? Okay. That's okay, uh, Derek. Um, Caleb, would you be able to do that? Philippians 4, 6. Thank you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Yeah. What a beautiful verse, okay? We went over this not too long ago. Um, when, the, when the virus first began, we looked at this verse. We were mining it of how this help, verse helped us, what? Social distance from anxiety, okay? Um, notice we could go to God. This verse says what? Uh, we could go to God for everything we could pray to him we are not to be anxious for nothing because everything we could go to god for every area of our life we could pray for the area of finance the area of physical health could we pray to god for that yeah okay of course we pray according to god's will sometimes he answers no sometimes he says wait but nevertheless we could pray for all these prayer requests okay we could pray in every way for all things okay we could pray for all things we could pray for because why because I think it presupposes that God is sovereign, okay? We could even pray for people's salvation, okay? Um, we could pray for people's salvation. Now, again, they need to believe in God. There's a human responsibility. But I do believe underneath the undercurrent, okay, God could work and change and transform people's heart, okay? So we could pray for every single area, okay? Uh, we could pray for every single area. Um, someone once say, preach like a what? Preach like an Armenian, right? Evangelize like a Calvinist. Oh, no, uh, 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 pray like a Calvinist, okay? Because we need to go and we need, we need to do the whosoever, right? Anyone we see, anything that lives and breathes, I'm going to share Jesus Christ, okay? But I also believe in God's sovereignty and I'm going to pray, okay, uh, with that, okay? And I think that's what Paul was like. If you ever read Romans 9, I think Romans 9 stresses the sovereignty of God. But never forget Romans 
9 verse 1 to 3, he's a broken-hearted evangelist. He wants people to be saved. He wants to go preach every single thing, and he wants the Jews, his own Jewish countrymen, to believe. And he even says, hey, if I could even die so these people, if I could even be condemned so that these people that I love could come to him, he's going to go ahead and what? Do it, okay? So point number three, prayer presupposes, prayer request presupposes God's sovereignty. Let's look one more. First. Uh, Peter chapter 5 verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. I'll read this real quick. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We could cast all anxiety to God and pray, okay? Um, I think some of you guys have shared with me various things you guys are going through, okay? Um, in this season right now with family, there's a lot of anxiety, very legitimate ones, okay? Uh, don't, don't feel like I'm calling out on you at all because there's actually... Uh, um, I think when it rains sometimes it pours, okay? Um, and corporately as a church also as well. So in light of all those trials, I think we have a lot of things going on. Very legitimate issues, okay? Um, not things we make small. We don't need, everyone need to know everyone battle unless we freely share. But if I could just encourage you guys with that verse, right? Casting all your anxiety. That means that we could pray for all our prayer requests because God is control over every area. It's not as if, okay, you know, God is in control of everywhere except for my finance. God has no jurisdiction. No, that's not what Scripture teaches. We could go to Him because one of the prerequisites need to be fulfilled for God, we could even pray for all things is that God is sovereign everywhere. Um, for me, personally, I've always felt this comfort, um, you know, there's maybe the dark side of God's sovereignty that's hard to understand like well, what about those that are not saved that that kind of thing like did God is he involved with that like, I know there's those hard questions but for me also there is a sense where I feel like man I can't throw away God's sovereignty because there's a sense where even anything I could pray for assumes that God has control over those areas okay um, if you ever want to go over this in depth I think Charles Spurgeon um, preached on this really well uh, his sermon was titled Free Will, okay? Where it's this mystery where prayer requests even presupposes God's sovereignty, okay? And his point was even Armenian and Calvinists all praise the same way. When we're praying for people's salvation, when we're praying for things, we all pray believing in God's sovereignty, okay? So prayer requests presupposes God's sovereignty. Uh, number four, point number four. Again, when we consider a question, uh, why pray when God is in control of all things? I think point number four is this. The question wrongly assume prayer is just only asking for things. The question sometimes wrongly assume prayer only asks for things, okay? Let's just say hypothetically you ask that question. Okay, why pray? Why pray when God is in control? Okay, maybe that question is actually presupposing that you shouldn't ask for anything. Let's just grant that. I don't think that's biblical, okay? But let's just say that. But then at the same time, is our prayer life only prayer requests? No, there's other things we also engage in when we pray, okay? Uh, so praying is more than asking things for God. Prayer also includes praise. Turn with me to Psalm 150, okay? Psalm 150. Psalm 150. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's short enough, okay? This is the last psalm in the book of Psalms, okay? So if you have a hard time, look up your table of content, Proverbs, and turn one page before that, okay? Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord. Some of your version might even say hallelujah because there's a lot of hallelujah here, okay? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His, his, in his mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. 
praise him according to your uh, to his excellent greatness praise him with a uh, trumpet sound praise him with harp and lyre praise him with tremble and dancing praise him with s- stringed instrument and pipe praise him with loud cymbals um you know our church don't believe in right now trumpets i mean uh, uh what do you call it? drums but but here you see right cymbals okay um praise him with resounding cymbals let him let everything that has breath praise the lord praise the lord okay Maybe one day we fulfill that by drums, but my, that's not my personal preference, personally. Okay, but I think it's biblical or or it's uh, permissible. Okay, here we see the goal is we praise the Lord. Okay, so prayer, uh, praying to God is more than just asking, dear God, you know, Lord, help me with my finance, help with Good News Club. Now, all those things are good. We need to pray for those things. Okay, and I pray for those things. It was just earlier today, just went walking and just going to say, man, I'm gonna go on a mad crazy prayer walk. I'm just gonna pray for things with the church, for the prayer request from Sunday. As we pray those things, right? Um, realize prayer is more than that. We need to pray for that. We don't even pray enough for our requests. But then we also need to realize we need to pray other re- things also as well. So when we praise Him, when we God answers, when God gives us things, should we not also, even if He didn't ask for it, should we not praise Him? Should we not thank Him also as well? Okay. Psalms 100 verse 4. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, enter his gate with thanksgiving and his court with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. We should thank God also as well, okay? We should thank God also as well. Let me say this again. Prayer is more than just asking him for things. So sometimes when we say, why pray? When sometimes we bring it up to say, why pray? Even though we're going to get uh, God is in control. Sometimes that presupposes we're only going to God to get things. This is why we pray. But let me establish here, one of the reasons why we pray is also even when we get things, we should still pray by going to Him, by thanking Him also as well. I also want to say, building from what we said last week about the purpose of prayer, prayer is also relationship, okay? Prayer is not just only getting what you want, that you can't get something, therefore you go to Him, right? I want to show you from the Bible that the members of the Trinity also are involved with prayer. And remember, the Trinity is means what? There's God, there's only one person. Or the question, there's only one being called God. There's no, like, multiple gods. But yet within that one being called God, there's three persons. They're distinct and co-eternal. Okay? that Distinct in the sense that there's all God, but yet you can make a distinction between Father is not the Son, right? When the Son prays to the Father, He's not praying to Himself. Okay? When He says, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit, He's not saying, oh, I'm going to die and give my body to my body. Or, or my soul to my soul. That makes no sense, okay? So there's a distinction being made here. Turn with me real quick. I want to show you that Christ prays. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. When we turn there, could I have Hui unmute and pray that out? Uh, not pray that out loud. Read that out loud. Hebrews 7, verse 25. For intercession for us, okay? So right now, Christ is actively praying for who? For you and I, okay? That's what Scripture says, okay? Um, yes, He's on the throne. Yes, He's sitting on the right hand of God the Father. 
but he prays. Now, when I first read this as a young believer, I was thinking to myself, why does he have to pray? Like, isn't he God? Doesn't he have all power? Isn't he all powerful? And the answer is yes. But why does he pray? I think it's because it's about, prayer is really about what? A relationship, okay? Prayer is about a relationship. Turn with me real quick to Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26, okay? Romans 8.26. You're going to see the Holy Spirit also prays. It says, In the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. You ever go through trials you don't even know what to pray for? Man, sometimes there's some trials in our life I don't even know what to pray for. Like, do I pray in peccatory psalm? Do I pray for... Like, I don't even know what to pray. What is, the, what is the right thing for me to do? But yet, this verse, I think, has given me and many of us many comfort because what? It says the Spirit prays for us. And by the way, notice the intensity. He's not just going to the motion. We're groanings too deep for words, okay? Why would the Holy Spirit praise when He's all-powerful? He could change people's will. To be able to love God, what is called doctrine regeneration, He could work in us. He could reside in us. Right, uh, greater is He who lives in us than than what than Satan and all of those things. Yet, as powerful as this, why would He still pray for us? I think that shows that prayer is primarily what a relationship. And now, if you think about this, with point number four, um, the question wrongly assumed prayer is just about asking for things. This is why we still pray because prayer, if it's a relationship, then we should still pray for things, even though yes, God is all powerful. Because why? Even we ask Him still because why? It's a relationship, okay? If I could give a human analogy, this is how I know I love my wife a lot, okay? This is how I know right now, at least for my daughters, they're so gracious with me still. Uh, you guys all know I love telling stories, right? Whenever I'm in the car, whenever we have no music, you know what my daughters ask me? Dada, tell us stories. And I know like, oh man, uh, pretty soon I'm going to be one of those old man veterans that tell stories, you know, with those funny little hats and everything else. Everyone's like, okay, I hear the story already. Yeah, back in your day, you use a shovel as a toothpick. Okay, all right, whatever, move on, right? And sometimes I go to my wife and say, you know what? Man, this reminds me of a story. And my wife has this look of like, I know. I know what you're going to say. I say, I'm going to say, did I ever tell you this one time? And then I'm going to say, you know, this one time, you know, when I was in seminary, this one time when I was in high school. There's one time when I was in the Marines. I know. And by the way, I know you guys have put up with me so much with all my storytelling, right? I mean, what I to say is this. My wife loves me enough to say, yeah, go ahead. Say it again. My daughter's right now, at least, says now. So, yeah, I want to hear that story. It's so cool. It's like, but I know a day will end one day, okay? But I bring us to say is this. Why do we still share? Because of love, okay? Because of love. How much more so with God? Why do we pray to God with our prayer requests? Yeah, He knows we're going to ask Him. Why pray anyways? He knows we want those anything. Guess what? Prayer request is about what? It's about a relationship. So point number four, the question wrongly assumed prayer is just asking for things. So as application, do you go to God in prayer for more than your prayer requests? Remember like I mentioned earlier, it's more than just about prayer requests. But number two, even yes, God knows everything already, but don't you want a relationship with Him? Don't you want to ask anyways, right? Think about it for a moment. If I just, I know my wife is so wonderful. I married up in life. She's probably cooking me something. But would I still just assume that, oh, I'm going to sit there and just like snap my finger. Hey, right now, am I going to be like that or am I going to ask? Should I still ask? It's like, honey, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. She normally, you know, she does it. But, you know, do, do I just assume or do I ask? 
as part of a relationship. And, and even when she makes those food for me, should I not say, thank you, honey, for making me this wonderful ramen that's even better than Ajisan ramen, right? Do, do I not say those things, right? Do I not say those things? Yes, because it's a relationship, my brothers and sisters. Same way with our prayer life, my friends, my brothers and sisters. We should pray, even when God is sovereign. Even when He knows we're going to ask. Even though He needs so, knows those needs, we should still pray. Because it's about a relationship. How much of a relationship He want with us? He sent Christ to die for us, to have that relationship. Let's go on. Point number five. Prayer doesn't change God's mind. I want to be very clear. Prayer doesn't change God's mind. But then we need to balance that with point number six. Prayer does change our situation, okay? I want to make it very clear. I don't think prayer changes God's mind. Because scripture teaches God doesn't change his mind or his ultimate will of his mind, okay? Turn with me real quick to 1 Samuel 15 verse 29. 1 Samuel 15 verse 29. I'm going to establish this later. Okay, some of you guys would then ask the question, wait, but Jonah, he says he repented. Okay, well, yeah, we'll get there when we get there, okay? Hold your horses. Uh, we'll establish this first point first, okay? First Samuel 15, verse 29. First Samuel 15, verse 29. Ben Chung, could I have you in big boy voice read me First Samuel 15, verse 29. Also, the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Yeah, First Samuel fifteen twenty nine. Right, people change their mind all the time. Yes. By the way, the coronavirus is a good example that people change their minds, even with experts. I know um, there's a lot of debates. Right? Okay, I'm not going to go into it. I know other believers disagree with this or that. Um, sometimes I see on Facebook people say, well, look at Dr. Fauci or whatever. They change their mind. Well, the reality is I feel, I feel like I'm looking on Facebook. Even the people that's complaining about experts changing their mind, oh, they're lying, whatever. They're also changing their mind, right? I, I'm thinking of the example too. Like some people say, you know what? Like the virus is no big deal. It's a cold. Then on the other hand, and this happened, you know, someone says, you know what? We got to nuke China. They, they brought a weaponized a weapon to the whole world. And I'm thinking to myself, is it not a big deal or is it a big deal? Like, is it like we, is it a big deal enough we're going to go to war? Or like how, I mean, what I'm trying to say is this. People change their mind, okay? People change their mind. Experts change their mind, okay? Uh, conservatives change their mind. Liberals change their mind, okay? Numbers keep changing. The reality is this. If there's one thing, no, we, we could still continue to disagree. You could even disagree with me. Like, oh, it's a conspiracy, new world order. Um, you know, personally for me, I think all those concerns are legitimate. We don't want government to be over tyrannical right but the unfortunate thing with social media is if you say one thing people assume therefore oh you're anti-science if you say you're you're concerned about people dying they say well what about people's economy i think one thing we all agree is we could agree to disagree but one thing we could all agree is people change their mind amen people change their mind and first samuel fifteen twenty nine says what and by the way when i say all this i'm not attacking you okay please don't because that i covered everyone okay um one thing we agree is god's word is true Man changes his mind, but God does not, okay? God is contrasted to man who changes his mind by the fact that God does not change his mind. Turn with me to Jeremiah 4.28. Jeremiah 4.28. For this the earth shall mourn, and heaven shall uh, above be dark, because I have spoken, I have purpose, and I would not change my mind, nor will I turn from it. 
So this verse record God stating in the first person. He himself is saying, confessing, hey, I don't change my mind. Okay. Uh, there's New Testament truth. This is New Testament truth too. Hebrews 7.21. Okay. Hebrews 7.21 says this. For they indeed became priests without an oath. But he with an uh, oath through the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and he will not change his mind. You are priests forever. This is actually a citation from Psalm 110 verse 4. Where God does not change his mind. This is with the Melchizedek priesthood which Christ is the priest from okay because Christ is our priest right our prophet and our king and our savior here it establishes mm -hmm. that this verse is true even in New Testament time God doesn't change his mind okay so I want to be very clear um, you know when we pray we're not praying so much that God change his mind okay so you cannot go to God and pray dear God I wish that stealing was not a sin could you please change your mind is that uh, really a biblical prayer? Like, not really, okay? Um, you know, say, God, please, could you change your mind that, you know what, um, that I could be a man or a woman or whatever? Well, you already are, okay? Um, so there's a sense where we're not praying for God to change His mind. Um, so we don't pray for the things in the past to change. What do I mean by that? It's like, oh man, right now I got a C. Man, I prayed that I didn't get a C from this class that I just had. Two, three weeks ago. That, that's already God's will. But we can pray for things in the future that we don't know yet, right? For Lord God, could this be, uh, could this be the case, okay? So as application, yes, could you still hear me? Okay. Okay. As application, um, a big application from this is that we should pray according to God's will, okay? If we don't change, uh, we don't pray to change God's mind. I think we should also see how does God's mind relate to our prayer requests, is, it must be important that we pray according to the will of God, okay? We pray according to the will of God. There's some things we don't know what God's will eventually unfold will be. But still, even our prayer, we're praying, Lord God, help me with whatever God's will is, okay? And also ponder and meditate. Are your prayer more God-centered or man-centered, okay? Are your prayer God-centered or man-centered? Because as you see, as we establish, God doesn't change His mind, so our prayer is not to change God's ultimate mind, Okay? Um, because God doesn't change His mind. But I want to balance this. This is not teaching hyper-Calvinism. Please don't go away and say, Jimmy says don't pray for God's mind. Therefore, I'm not going to pray, okay? Please, I am not a hyper-Calvinist, okay? Uh, in fact, I think I oppose hyper-Calvinism much more than like Armenians or anything other kind of thing like that, or any other spectrum, okay? Um, hyper-Calvinism is a sin, okay? Because you're not obedient. You're saying, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not responsible. God is responsible. It's God's fault. Okay, that's a sin. Um, point number five. Uh, point number six we go to is what? Prayer changes our situation. While it doesn't change God's mind, ultimately, prayer does change situations. Okay, prayer does change situation. Let's just say you have ahead of you, there's certain things you're going through, like you don't know, oh, um, what should I pray for? Like I want to pray for this person's salvation. Right? Um, I want to pray for this person to be saved. Um, I think there's a sense you pray, and prayer could be effective in that way. Okay? You want to pray for the virus situation? Um, we know it's God's will that this is going on right now. But we're praying for the future. Lord God, Whenever is this your will? I want to pray, Lord, if possible, can you please remove this situation so our economy and our country and our uh, country public health would be uh, better and that of the world? I think that's totally biblical. It is biblical. Turn with me real quick to James chapter 5, 
verse 16 to 17. We see James chapter 5, verse 16 to 17 establishes that prayer does change situations. Prayer does change situations, okay? The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did and it was and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Okay? You know, every time I read this verse, you know what I actually think of this verse often? Is actually I think of Mr. Burton. Uh, often he cites this verse often, right, as an encouragement and a motivation uh, with that, okay? Um, I think all of us should have different verses. There's different seasons in our life. Um, for myself, I know the First uh, Peter four seven right um, was a big one for myself right uh, in my own personal life. Um, but this verse I think shows that we can't pray, and this verse is to encourage us to pray. Okay, when it says effective a prayer of a righteous man, I'm, one of these weeks we're gonna go over this prayer. I'm not gonna go over it too much right now, but I think it established here that prayer does change our situations. It doesn't change who God is and His nature and His ultimate decree. But still, I also think God allows us to pray to change our situation. In fact, even His sovereignty, sometimes why God's will is accomplished is because, is because He what? Uh, he, his will is that He wants us for the situation to be fulfilled in His will by what? By actually our prayers, okay? Uh, also with our prayers. Okay, so that's how I see God's decree, God's sovereignty is all fit together, is that we pray, and God uses the means of our prayer. Just like He uses the means of our opening our mouth to share the gospel and all of that. Now, there's a lot of mystery. You know, there's a lot of mystery, right? I think you could ask the question, why is it He doesn't do this or that way? But yet, He gives us the privilege to pray and to minister, you know? Um... I think we must never downplay the role of prayer. Okay, we must never downplay the role of prayer. I think some of us need to realize, man, every one of us could pray. And I, I think the way I see it is almost like being a radio operator when I was in the Marines. Now, I'll be honest. Let's be very honest. You know, I can't fight to save my life. Okay, if you ask guys could the fight in the Marines, um, Jin's a better physical fighter. In fact, if you know all the guys we serve. He was our martial arts instructor, right? Uh, he was the nicest guy of the martial arts instructor, okay? Um, some of the, our main instructor was a guy that go to UFC and fights in Europe. He comes back all, you know, he's like Oscar De La Hoya, right? He comes all bruised and he's like, ah, I love fighting. And he's all bruised. And like a month later, he's like this pretty boy again. I was like, what? Well, how, you know, it's like, how does that happen? This guy's just like, it's just God's, his, that's a spiritual gift or something, okay? I'm bringing it up to say is this. You know, some guys are better at fighting, some guys. But then one thing I always loved as a Marine was being a radio operator. Yeah, I know I can't fight well, but I know I can speak really quick on the radio and speak clearly, hopefully, really quickly. And I know I love the radio a lot to always kick it and always to touch my antenna to move things, to always call for things, okay? I'm not the best, I'm not a strategist at all. I just got to realize that, right? None of those things, right? I'm just a lowly guy with a radio. And you know what? That's like, that's like the analogy of us. With prayer We cannot solve every situation Maybe sometimes it's not our place To say to someone To say hey you're wrong Or sometimes maybe it's not our place To be able to help Because we don't have the skill set with it But you know one thing all of us could be We could always call God We could always call God for support We could always call Rain down fire 
for support. We could always call down hellfire, you know, helicopters, or, or you know, you get the idea from God to support, to bring things, to, to bring the situation to change. My brothers and sisters, as it says here, Elijah was just like us. That's an encouragement for us to pray and to pray knowing that our situation changes. Okay, by the grace of God. Let me stop here real quick.